Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Sincere Tweets. My name is Duncan Carson, this is a show where I interview other creative type people here in Austin, Texas, where I live. Uh, I'm joined today by New York City's Maggie Crane. Hi, it's really nice to be here. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me and thank you for um, picking me up from my friend's house. Sure, sure. Very kind of you. Yeah. All, all access here. <laughs> very nice. We're coming to you live from the bowels of the Fallout Theater. Or I guess not live, but... People always say that. Semi-live. I mean, but I feel like people say that in like movies when they're on the radio. Right. Like those disc jockeys. Like, Come to do live. Or do podcasts do it too? I feel like people say, yeah, it probably started as like in movies Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. a live thing, but now people just say it whenever they're- And then they're lying because then they don't, you know, they don't edit for weeks. Absolutely not live. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here. Uh, And we were talking last night, hanging out on shows that- didn't happen <laughs> but it was it was so funny because i was like you know i have people in my thing we talk comedy talk and like if you do any other creative stuff and you're like nah yeah. and then it came out immediately subsequently that not only did you study playwriting mm-hmm. and have written plays mm-hmm. you've written play specifically based on something insane yeah that obviously we have to start with of course of course um and let's not obviously the listener has no context absolutely so it's a story about your mother, mm-hmm. and then the thing can be a surprise reveal. Does yes, that make sense? Absolutely, I'll yeah. I'll do it. So this is this is my mom's story. <laughs> it's I'm, your story, but I, tell it exactly the way. I'm exactly. I'm stealing my <laughs> mom's story, um, which is I bet everyone's best stories are just stolen from their parents. I feel. Sure. Yeah. Um. So my mom, my mom's from Brooklyn. My mom's from Stat. Well, she's from Bay Ridge, and she was raised in Staten Island. Um, and she moved to Wisconsin when she married my dad. That's where he, I'm from. Yeah, I know. That's we, how we got started talking about it. Okay. <laughs> I was doing like, oh, you're from Wisconsin? Here's my one cool Wisconsin thing. And it's pretty cool. It's cooler than any Wisconsin-related <laughs> story. And I lived there like 20 years. Yeah, well, yeah. well buckle up. Uh, <laughs> no, so my, my mom moves there. My dad's in grad school at the University of Wisconsin. My mom goes to nursing school. And she works doing. Um, she works at this the local psych hospital. I used to know the name of it, but I, I no longer do. Sure. So she worked at that. She did rounds at this psych hospital, and she was assigned. When you're in nursing school, you're sort of assigned a one on one for d- different like residential stuff. So she was assigned this one on one to the, this guy Ed. He was an older man. He was pretty sick. He was in a psych hospital. He was really nice. He taught her how to play cribbage. Sure. And he, but he would like sometimes be like, "Oh, the Russians are listening to me," which would be like, "All right, you know." It's also like you are my psych ward friend, so you know the seventies, eighties, exactly. So maybe he was right. Yep. Um, they could be listening to this. Yeah, and I hope they are. It's <laughs> it's a great pod. Um, but so they became they became good friends. My mom would always hang out with him. They were both sort of you know on the outside because she was the only one not from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And one day, my mom is uh, she's giving out meds to other patients. She's like doing the round the medicine rounds, and this other patient comes up to my mom and like hits her, hits her really hard. And Ed gets up and he sees this happen and he pushes the guy away and he turns around and he hugs my mom. And my mom is like, what a sweet moment. Exactly, really yeah. nice, really loyal. That's a good friendship. And my mom hugs him back and she's like, oh, thank you, Ed. And she she steps back and the entire floor, all the patients, all the workers, all the staff are just like looking at her like in shock. And she's like, um, okay, well, like what? And then they, they call her into the office. They call her in. They're like, Maureen, Maureen, come here. And she's like, okay. And they're like, okay. Um, 
do you know who that man is? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's Ed. He's my, my buddy That's Ed. my friend. He's my one-on-one guy. Tell we, me to play, play cribbage. Yeah, tell me to cribbage. Exactly. Yeah. He's he's the guy. He's awesome. And they were like, okay. Um, so that's Ed Gein. Do you know who that is? And she was like, no, of course I don't know who that is. I am from Brooklyn, New York. I, I, uh, I have no idea. And they're like, okay. Um, I love just the innocent, like, Gein. What is that like? German? Yeah, a German man? Yeah, no, I no, 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 doesn't ring a bell. Gein, you say? Yeah, mm. ooh, I don't. And she's to, to this day, she like says his name wrong sometimes. Yeah, like Gein? She has a Gend. I'm like, that's not his name. She's like, oh, I know, I keep forgetting. Forget, well, she keeps blanking on the name of the serial killer I know. she and was then, friends and, with. Exactly. And then they're like, okay, Maureen, have you seen the movie Psycho? And she was like, yeah. And they're like, Okay, that movie was based on this guy. And she was like, oh, shit. But to this day, my mom will still be like, Ed Gein, lovely man. <laughs> lovely man. What? She's really still on his side. She'll say shit like, you know, he only he only killed two people. And it was he only killed two people. That's... And it was a mistake. She's really on Team Ed. I mean, he only killed two people? He only killed two people. He there might have been a third, but I'm they, like I'm like willing to hear him out. I'm like, all right. I know. Yeah. I I know. I that like is less than I thought. I was born on Team Ed here, so I was raised this way. But uh, <laughs> he only killed two people. He only killed two people. He um and he might have done a third, but the rest of the crimes were like he dug up the dead bodies. Sure. And he yeah. took he, he took the dead bodies, the, the fresh dead bodies, and he would make lamps. He would make like pillowcases he would make all oh, sorts of yeah, very he, crafty things he had like a a, a a person suit and he had like a belt made out of nipples sure he's also the inspiration for um silence of the yes. Lambs guy. yeah yeah, yeah also yeah. the silence of the Lambs guy. two huge hits for ed yeah <laughs> just really two classic <laughs> serial killer uh, killer culture absolutely but yeah boy yeah you wonder in another life what that creative spirit could have been right and applied like, to yeah. yeah and he was very kind and he was clearly just very very mentally ill and his family did a fucking number on him hmm. and imagine what he could have done with like plastics or cloth if he wasn't you know using nipples were there any arts and crafts at the facility um i don't i i imagine he was great at it if let's, there was let's get your mom on the phone we'll get her can mom. We? we can <laughs> no that's right. she would be like what oh you talking about ed ed Lovely man. Lovely, lovely man. man. I lo- just, lovely man. I love that that human impulse where, like, if you actually know somebody, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I love this in comedy too, where it's like, mm-hmm. if somebody's like like featured for someone or actually met them, they have to mention it like every time they come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because it's just like, yeah, Ed Gein, great dude, great comic, comics comic, really. terrible card player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but lovely man. Man. Yes. And you, so what what is then you said you interpreted this and yeah i wrote um one of the in co- i went to oh it's it's so funny because it's like now i'm doing stand-up and mm. people are like oh like that's sort of a useless thing to do and i'm like well i used to be doing playwriting which is even more useless the arts are all dead they're all fucking useless this one's it's like, just the most fun Don't- exactly it's like i'm doing stand-up and uh, for five minutes what was i gonna do get someone to read my hundred page play <laughs> absolutely fucking not um so i uh, yeah i was i wrote plays all college i'm still writing plays now i'm writing i have a, a solo show sure that is sort of now the amalgamation of my stand-up and playwriting which i will plug at the end don't worry we'll get there but um yeah so i I wrote this play called Ed and Mo, 
And it's sort of written as a bit of like a buddy comedy about my mom and Ed Gein. Sure. And there's five characters in it. It's like the my mom character, the Ed Gein character, my dad character, who I changed into like in the play, I have them get divorced in the end. And my dad's like, what the fuck? And they're not divorced. <laughs> I just was like, this needs a, this needs a, like a better. Uh, this needs like a, yeah. There needs to be some sort of conclusion here. And my dad's like, I'm not divorced from your mom. Like, and I'm like, Dad, and then I have one character. Did you change your parents' names at least? Or? Lightly. Not my mom's name. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I changed my dad's name from Sam to Dan. Well, there you go. And I absolutely just use their lives. Dan gets divorced. It's Sam. Yeah. Remains happily married. Yeah. And that's just how it had to work. It's called art, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Maybe maybe you would have gotten more closure. Um, <laughs> but And then I have a character who plays all the like, the women in Ed Gein's life and in Moe's life. Ah. So I have this character play like Maureen's mom and Ed's mom and some of the women that Ed killed and the head nurse it and so da 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 da. Um, and yeah, and I wrote it to be like partly this like buddy comedy between these two people and then sort of a darker. Seems like an undercurrent. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And I killed, I killed Ed off at the end with a death penalty and that's not how he really died. How'd he really die? He had cancer. He just sort of... Oh. Died of in of old cancer age. <laughs> Not of, and that was my hardest thing writing it. I had to be like, why would they kill? The, why would they put this guy on death row right now? And I like absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, well, That's, I don't think this is how the law works, but uh, this is how stories work. So yeah, like I love. First of all, I love it's like Ed. The, you know, it's already about Ed Gein, but you're like, we gotta we gotta liven this up. Absolutely, exactly. Divorce. Death penalty. <laughs> Absolutely. Make it happen. I feel like you don't see a lot of psychiatric death rows. Yeah, no, 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 you don't. Yeah. And I and I think if anyone were to like even a little bit interrogate it, I would have to be like, well, yeah, sorry. It's interpretive, you know. I'm like, what am I gonna have to do? I'm slowly die of cancer? No, I need an ending. Come on. That's true. That's not that's not very, you know. No, cinematic. Very theatrical. A, theatrical is Theatrical for my plays. But um, yeah, I got to, I put that up in the city many years ago at a theater. And Incredible. It was, it was awesome. It yeah. was, it was great. We are one of our, it's one of the things that I like still lay awake at. You know, when you think about just things that you fucked up. Uh-huh, of course. So one of the things I always think about is like, there's a, there's like you, a, a through line mean, in the You sh- mean being awake? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Constant. But there is a moment that, so. A through line of the play is that like she like they like play Frank Sinatra record and Ed is like really into the song Under My Skin. Sure. Which now I feel like it's probably too on the nose, but it's you know, whatever. It's also a good song. It's a great song. It was it it fit the theme of, you know, skin mutilation. Mm-hmm. But um mm-hmm. so there's a part at the end of the play where it's like she plays a song and it's supposed to be like on a record and it's supposed to be like a really timed out like callback. And then the that poor actress playing my mom hmm. like completely messed up the thing and it just played a random song. No. And that's the ending of the play. And that was like our oh. first like we only had like one production of it and then we did it again later. But I was just like I was like, No, it's red Man, I think about that all the time. It's like the landing at the end of a gymnastic routine. You're like this or at was a plane. the moment. Yeah. Die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a fucking actual landing on a plane and they're like, "No, we just nose dive, but it's fine." Just, it, it was just fine. Just the one note at the end. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're the only one that was like losing. I was losing. <laughs> I think I audibly it. went, "Fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck." Oh. And I'm in the back just so drunk cuz I'm like, "I'm a playwright." I have to be drinking whiskey in the did, back of this theater. Did you direct this play? I don't like directing. Okay. 
I don't have any desire to direct. That's interesting. I grew up around the theater. My dad was a production designer for several different regional theaters, but um, he just like he built the set. That's really cool. It is cool, but it, uh, people often assume they're like, "Oh, well, is that why you do your stuff?" And I'm like, "No, not at all." He's very humorless, actually. My but, my uh, cousin was a set designer. Yeah. In L.A. and also in, in the, at Disney World, and um, when she was young, when she was younger. She was designing um, a, a set for like Hamlet or something, and part of it was like she had to make like four hundred realistic looking skulls, and <laughs> what? then That's yeah, so many. They, you know they were they were doing it up. Yeah, and her mom they had like, like a plumber. What if instead of one skull, he's like juggling eight? Skulls I think that was the artistic interpretation. <laughs> They're like, you know him for one skull, but what if he had four hundred? What if like he's holding the one skull, and then there's there's a mobile of skulls mm-hmm. that are just all whirling yeah. around or something? Yeah. You could see the director just is like chain smoking European or something. Yeah. I Eat four hundred yeah. skulls now! And so Katie, my cousin, made all these, and the uh, like a plumber came at some point and like a me- like left really quickly and didn't really finish the job, yeah. and like they went down. And she's like, "Oh, it's because there's four hundred realistic skulls <laughs> in here, and this man is so he scared." Just runs away. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. My my dad has a lot of fun stories where like the director or the whoever wants to be like, and then when Caesar gets stabbed, the the, the stairs all run with blood. <laughs> And my dad's gonna be like, they're white stairs, and they would just be pink after the first. <laughs> like we can't reset that, you know? Like yeah, yeah, that's amazing. But uh, it is interesting the way like the sort of like the playwright is the word of God in the theater. Mm, it's true. So like, but what was your role during the production like? I was in most of the rehearsals, and I'm there, and the. The person directing was a very, very good friend of mine, Molly Bix, who's still a theater director and who's amazing. Um, shout out to Molly Bix. Shout out to Molly Bix and Rat Queen Theater Company. Um, but and they were really careful, and they're they're an amazing director, and they're very rooted in like devised theater, and they're very like, oh, we're all making this together. And there were a lot of moments with Molly being like. Maggie, when you said this line, do you mean it in this way? And I just be like, absolutely fucking not. I just wrote it. I have no idea what it means. Yeah. But I'd always be like, yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's also just really fun to hand over your work to someone and see how they interpret it. Yeah. And then in theater, it's really awesome to then see like, it's like by the time it's on the stage, it's gone from your stupid little brain onto paper, from some director's like vision to actors. Yeah. And the actors are there. So it's like, it's like th- this third generation of your project, and you're just like, whoa, yeah. I didn't even think it would be said like that, but that's way better. Then you get all the credit. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you're sitting there, you're just being like, yes, no. Yes, that's it all sprung from my brain mm-hmm. and my brain alone. That's crazy. It's got to be an interesting exercise in um, like giving up control. Because we were talking about improv last night, too, where it's just mm-hmm. like, I took 101 at the old regime of this theater, and it's just like I can't, I can't just like be in the moment and let I can't let it all happen. I need complete control of everything. Me fucking too. And it's yeah. like with improv, I, I I sometimes I work at an uh, improv theater in Brooklyn. I work at Brooklyn Comedy Collective, and they're mostly very much rooted in in improv, and it's sure. I think first an improv theater, and I'm like one of their the main stand up people there. But sometimes I'll jump on an improv show there and it's I, I get on stage and I'm so scared. <laughs> like I, I don't know what it would take for me to get scared doing stand up at this point. It would have to be if there's like someone huge, an idol or someone who's like I wanna impress from my life. Yeah, I'd say like a big thing like that. Mm-hmm. Or when you're like I still get like 
when it looks like this will not go well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, once yeah. you're up there, you're like, well, I'm not scared of fucking, I, you know, I was prepared for this, but. Right, and I feel like you, like, and I won't speak for you because maybe you've never bombed, but um, <laughs> I, f- I feel like I have. I'd love to say that I have not. I haven't but. seen you bomb once, so. Wow. <laughs> I'm one for one, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, it's like I have had some so such harrowing bombs in my life that I'm like, what what what's gonna happen worse than that? And even if it does, it's yeah. almost like, oh, now I have a worse bomb that I could tell a story about. But also, about. like when you're bombing as a stand-up, you get to talk about mm-hmm. how you're bombing. You're like, yeah, I'm bombing, and then like reference it. And if even that, if that doesn't dig you out, it's still like, well, I'm a part of this experience. Exactly, too. exactly. Uh, but like improv is just I can't it's so I'm like what we're on a boat why God. or even like some sort of like hybrid shows will have like a sort of loosely improvised element and that'll just I know there's there was like this game show I was doing here a long time ago where they were like now we're doing a segment called Mumble Oki where it's like we play a karaoke version of you know Don't Stop Believing or whatever yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just have to say different words or make up gibberish, but don't sing the words. It's like, the that's the challenge. And just to make up stuff to that too, and I hated it so much. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what if I just thought about it for a few minutes? Can I, yeah, can I plan it? Yeah, Because I could come I up with a killer Don't Stop Believing parody. I know, I know. I did, I did an improv show recently that was like, it was called Retellings, hosted by Thomas Francis. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, my, it's the, I, my favorite improv show to do, because it's like, you get a story. Like, so we, the last one we did was like, um, Heaven's Gate. Okay. So like he was like the host asked as a narrator telling the story of Heaven's Gate and then you already know who you're playing and what you have to do within the scene. Sure. So you get up and you already know who you are. You already know like what you relatively have to do in the scene and that I love doing because I'm like, okay, I'm this character and I'm doing this thing. Yeah, that's that seems fun or like, you know, I have, I have vague ambitions of like filmmaking and other stuff mm-hmm. where... I feel like, especially like scripting comedy in this day and age, uh-huh. it's like I'd rather just come in with a loose idea like that and have f- people I know are funny kind of find it. Yeah, yeah, without yeah, yeah. a crowd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which I but feel... just to do it in front of a crowd just just so, shorts out my brain somehow. I know, it? and you're not just like doing it as yourself. I feel yeah. like, and I feel like this is such a stand up thing too. It's like I know how to write for my voice. I know what works. Like even in stand up, when you're riffing, it's like. You know what works within your voice and your tics. My favorite show gimmick is, you know, like like a set list or just random topic stand-up show. Yeah, 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 So you have to make up some sort of stand-up bit about something you've just been doing. Yeah, I love a homework show. Oh, yeah, force me to write? Thank you. I'm not going to do that myself. Or like there's there's been – there is a format here called Crapshoot where it's just like you do it in the moment. That's awesome. And I get things that work. I, I used to get things that work so well in the moment, and then you try to make it a bit later. Oh, of course. And you're like, oh, it's not the same. No, you not know? at all. <sighs> no, but yeah, improv is. I've always, I've always really struggled with improv because yeah, it's a control thing. It's like I'm a, I'm a freak. I'll, I'll write you a hundred page script. But, Please, yeah. But I'm not gonna, you know, ask for you to give me a fucking occupation and location. <laughs> I can't do that shit. Somebody. Just name anywhere else I could be right yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. I don't like this. I'm like, it's oh, a, I get really, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get all sweaty. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and I can't get out. I know it's like, I know, I know. It's like the rule, like the don't think, like del, whatever, Del Close is yeah, like, yeah, don't yeah. think. And then it's like, I can't do that, though. I'm on the sides being like, oh, yeah, let me think of a really funny thing I can go say. And then, of course, it like bombs. That's not how you do improv. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, I had a lot of problems like letting go of a direction I wanted the scene to go. Mm, yes. And then immediately gets like, you know, like, all right, I got to roll with it. I fucking guess. Yes. And I suppose. <laughs> but it's fun. I'd like to, I'd like to do it more because I think it does help you on your feet. Yeah. I suppose. It did. It did make me a better stand-up performer. There you go. And more comfortable on stage. There you go. So we're not pure haters and here. Come to, you know, take classes at Fallout. People. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very pro the entire economy of it. Absolutely. Go take, if you're in th- New York City, take them at Brooklyn Comedy Collective. Well, and I try to be, you know, e- e- equanimous about even stand-up, whereas I used to be like, everybody should do it. It's mm-hmm. been so great for me. Yeah. And then people are like, I don't like it. I'm like, don't you, though? Try it, you know. Why? Don't you want to talk about your problems in publicly? <laughs> you don't want to be stared at by like yeah, yeah, yeah. 60 people at once? Exactly. You don't want to go out every night and try to find three minutes of stage time for the rest of your life? Right. So I can, I guess I can objectively understand people where they're like, it's nice to be up there with other people and mm. this and that and the other where, where they find stand-up more intimidating. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, that's not how my brain works no, at all. No, me neither. I had, a, I did um, a dog... Fight. Good fight. Good. Not dog fight. I did oh my God, sorry. I did good fight last night here and it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And I love yeah. the I love the vibe of like every all the improvisers were saying like, Oh, we're playing together. We're like, oh, you and I are like playing together. And mm-hmm. I was like and at first you hear that as a stand-up and you're like, what the fuck? And then and then you're like, God, that's so nice. I feel like in the stand-up world, we put so much of a fake hustle culture behind it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not fucking playing. My comedy is fucking not. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's real. And I hustle and I grind 100%. And it's like, that's so dumb. It's like, ultimately, we were going up to do little goofs. We're just goofing. We're just goofing. We're just doing little goofs. We're just and trying to goof. Improvisers, I think, do not have any, they don't like they have a, take that. They have yeah, less of a, a self conscious yeah sort of uh, a pretension. Maybe. Right. They're like, Yeah, we're here we're here on a on a Thursday night to I have fun. A long time ago at this place, the institution theater here, I was like this um you know, like like troops will put together like a night where it's them and two other troops. Yeah. And somebody was doing where they got a stand up host for like the whole month or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent four weeks in a row, I wanna say like host I was the only stand up and it's a bunch of improvisers. Yeah. And then they would frequently be doing they're just like doing bits and scenes and stuff and i'm like wandering in like are you really like yelling at each other (laughs) yeah yeah it's like oh it's another okay (laughs) and it was both really annoying because it felt like being the ward in a lunatic asylum yeah yeah nobody's nobody's ever actually talking but then i was also like just jealous i was like oh these guys are having so much more fun than we do and i'm getting up there and being like i gotta do my a material you're like oh wow well i mean and I don't, I feel like the more I take efforts to like just do other projects and, and make like fun creative talk happen, mm-hmm. the more I enjoy myself. Yeah. But I think in my early days of comedy, that was the biggest thing I expected that just doesn't happen on its own. Yeah. It's like talking bits or like sharing tags, not like even sharing tags, but just like running stuff by each other. And yeah. I had this really harrowing, I had this 
early when I started doing stand up. I have, of course, like I went to my first open mic in New York City when I was like 22. And of course, immediately. <laughs> oh, oh, and that was harrowing? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. I started, but of course, it's like it's such the pipeline of like, it's like goes to your first improv. I mean, uh, open stand up open mic as a 22 year old comic immediately d- starts dating 30 year old open micer. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone's done it. Yeah. So I had this like this older boyfriend when I was there and he was very much like, a, a stand-up comic uh, like yeah I do stand-up comedy like sure. I'm a comic and he like very much would like underplay that I was a, a comic too and of course yeah like of course stuff like that but I do have this moment we were at the creek in the cave which used to be in New York and now is here it is also beat you here <laughs> we were we were at the creek in the cave and we were like standing in a circle of his friends like other like open micro friends and and there's like a lull in the conversation and then he just like turns to me and is like so uh what do you want to riff about <laughs> and i was like oh my god even back then when i was like oh. so dumb i was like ah this is like the worst no. thing you could say that- so uh what do you want to riff about and it's like what's and, the point and man just not to belabor this but like was there any trace of irony to no that. no he was really like <laughs> yeah we're we're hanging out at the creek in the cave we're ripping bits we're oh riffing what do you want to riff about and i'm like oh I, no i can't i'm gonna try that on my current friends be you like, should. <laughs> what do you, you want to riff about i don't think Absolutely. i can do it with but you gotta do it more I- like like antagonizing that's like uh so what do you guys want to riff about <laughs> yeah yeah. Hey, 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 just knocking the door. Like, hey. What are we going to riff about? <laughs> yeah, we got a riff, guys. We're comics. We're wasting valuable riff time. I know. We- <laughs> guys, we have to riff. And I think about it all the time. Every time I'm on stage and like now I host a show with my boyfriend, um, Michael Terry, and mm. it's like <laughs> sometimes I'll on stage, I'll just think of that and I'll be like, yes, babe, what do you want to riff about? And <laughs> it's just so... It's so uh, I guess I guess now on sure thing we do before the headliner go out and riff. Yeah. And so now I, I invite you to. <laughs> I could probably get away with saying it to Brennan, but like just just like aggressively kills me. Yeah, but it's so much better when you're. It's like you know this. We are the like outside of the creek in the cave. But that's like. I, but also, I I would like to just for the right. We're referring to like an on stage segment. Oh yeah, no, I know so you are. But... This is the o- <laughs> this is the only reason out loud we're like, oh, do you have anything for the riff? Mm-hmm. Just, just comic to comic. That's in so, it was so, that's so funny to me. It was so wild, and I, yeah. I think about it all the time. It's what I think about also when I think of the creek in the cave. <laughs> uh, what do you guys want to riff about? Does that individual still do comedy? No. That's, so I figured. I, I figured not. <laughs> He's done the same yeah, told. yeah. You uh, did well though. I, no, I hope so. No hate. <laughs> you know, thirty years old is an age when you really kind of existentially freak freak out about yeah 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 am i a comedian because right. i'm not doing this to any because I'm, I'm 28 and i oh, I, rem- I remember it's ma- coming up i know yeah. i know i'm making a really like first starting comedy at like 22 and you know giving yourself insane markers like um if i'm not successful by 25 yeah. and you're yeah, like yeah. what the you look back at that and you're just like jesus it's like I, nobody is successful by 25. It's like you have nothing when you're 25. Mm-hmm. You, fi- I feel like you, by 25, for me, it's like I, by that point, I've been doing comedy for like three years. It's like by that point, you're like, you have no good jokes, but you've let go of all the terrible jokes. <laughs> Let's hope. Right? You, you're like, oh, if yeah, that's lucky. the best. The, yeah. If you're lucky, you yeah. stop doing your shitty ones. And you're like, I don't have anything, but <laughs> I know what I don't have. But yeah. Wow. 
But so you started at 22 and like yeah. did it a lot? I started at 22. Yep. I just like started going to open mics in New York. Um, I started in New York. I didn't, I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I didn't start there. Um, yeah, I just started doing it out of like, I had done like a classic in college. I did like one stand up show. There's a class? No, no. I know. I was like, we had like a, a crew. A, oh, okay. Yeah. A club. It wasn't even a club. It was, I was in a sketch group. Sure. And we like had a show that no one had written any sketches for. It was like it was such a college thing. It's like no one, oh, no one wrote a sketch. <laughs> we just set it up and didn't bother. Right, exactly. I'm like, oh, no one wrote any sketches. So we'll do stand up because that's like just so easy. Yeah. And I, I you know, did a stand up set. It goes well because you're like a senior and you're like, wow, I'm so good. And then I like was like, okay, I'm maybe I'm good at this. So bad, so bad. <laughs> I'm going to open mics. I'm bombing. But you're like, you know, when you like the confidence when, or for, at least for me, it's like. You have this like idiot, idiot confidence when you first start out. Yeah. Where you're just like, and you're also, you don't understand. It's like you got booked on a on the shittiest bar show in the world and you're like, I'm <laughs> famous now. This is, yeah, impressive. Exactly. And you're going from that where you're like, you, you, you make one person laugh at the open mic and you're like, yeah, I was uh, born to do this. <laughs> and I feel like you have that sort of like dumb confidence and that goes away the better you get. Mm -hmm. But I think I was really shielded because of how fucking stupid I am <laughs> at, the, at the beginning. But I was uh, 21 when I started and I had a live journal at the time. Thing. Which obviously just sits there on the internet. And I remember reading that at some point in the last few years. Oh, man. And I was, um, you know, there's the only real cringe-inducing thing is like as soon as I got any good, I would start like asking to go earlier on mics and stuff. Yeah, and just being a real open mic monster. Yeah, in oh Milwaukee, gosh. Wisconsin, where there's not like even a scene. <laughs> you know, you're like, like you and five guys. <laughs> basically, you're like, yo, throw me up, yo, throw me up. Sorry, where there was not even a scene at the time. Uh, there's definitely a scene now. I didn't want to, didn't want to come down on it. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, that that really, especially like I later hosted my own open mic and stuff. I was just like cringing at my past. I know it's so you arrogance. get so embarrassing. I when I like was really new was like DMing like oh man, I was DMing like famous comics, being like we'd love to open for you sometime. Oh yeah, really so great. It worked one time. Did I, it work? It worked once. And my friend Dan Lamort, who's like got a huge internet following, I like like met him once and then like kind of cold DM'd him and was like, Can I open for you on the road? And then he said, Yeah. Yeah. And then I went on like a six week tour of the US. Sure. And it was amazing. So I guess is it a lesson in like maybe you should just shoot your shot all I feel the time? Like, I feel yeah. like it's worth doing and it's like I've only just now come around to like when it makes sense. I'm yeah, like, I yeah. should do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My I, a classmate of mine from high school is named Lara Bites. She's doing very well out in LA. She did uh, Corden the other week, and wow. uh, she's open for Rogan on on the road and stuff. Damn. So I saw she was headlining the, the Milwaukee Improv uh, coming up in June, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get over my goddamn pride. Yeah. And be like, could I feature for you there? Did it work? Uh. <laughs> She was like, oh, this other guy in the scene oh, from when we were, we were coming up is already doing that. And I was like, oh, of course he is. Because he asked. And then I was like trying to, I was a little snide like, oh, so that guy's still in Milwaukee, huh? And she's <laughs> like, no, he's flying in for the shows. And I was like, oh, so we had the exact same idea. Oh, oh, damn. Well, no, but it's a good lesson in just like asking. And it's like, Had I done it earlier, I could have, it would have. There you go. It would have worked. worked yeah. But no, it's a, yeah. I mean, but like, because you got to know that like, a hundred percent of the time, or like ninety nine percent of the time, well, people are gonna be like not respond to you. Well, it was also a feature week at a club, which I'm 
done and I'm actually qualified for. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Not just like a cold, like, can we go on the road together? Or yeah, what, you know? yeah. <laughs> I did that. It was crazy now that I look back at it, but it worked out. He was like, yes. And then we went on the road together for like six weeks and it was awesome. That's awesome. And that's how I got my like, you know, everyone's like, go on the road. That's how you get your chops. And I think there's really something to that. You Got go on the road and, you know. You get your chops, Get your kids. chops, baby. Yeah. Uh, and you do like, we did, uh, how many shows must we done? So many shows. We did like, I, I can't even, like 50 shows or something like that. In six weeks? I don't know. Is that totally off? Seems we probably did. We, we had one day off a week. Okay. I mean, like, and some of them are like club dates yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you get 50 in there. like that. Maybe yeah. 30. Maybe 30. Um, but like, you know, at like five of those shows, I was like hated, like, you know, you, you're like, you can't go on a tour like all over the country and Mm-mm. do your same material and not have people fucking hate you. This is true. Especially not from Brooklyn. No mm-hmm. offense. No, none taken, baby. But Austin yeah. is the Brooklyn of Texas. So mm-hmm, we've, mm-hmm. we frequently discover this. Yeah. It's brutal. And like even you, an hour out of town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that must be hard. I just, I have to leave the East Coast. <laughs> or not. I don't, I mean. You got, you got Hicks out there. We, we definitely, but we didn't do that. But I, yeah, my worst show I've ever done was in Huntsville, Alabama. Ooh. Oh, man. It was at, oh, my God, what was it called? I forget what it was. I, like, blacked it out so much. It was so bad. So I, we get to this club. They, um immediately, we come in, and they, the club had a comic there who was, like, gonna, I was, so on the road, I was, like, the opener, Michael Terry featured Dan Lamore headliner, and that's how it was. Okay. But we get to this club, and they were like, um, the girl has to host because we have a, a feature. And I was like, uh, okay. All right. I was like, I mean, sure, I'll host. No problem. They, we were about to go. It was like five minutes till the show starts. I was like, okay, no, whatever. I hated hosting at this point because okay. I was like, you know, I, I only recently have gotten any hosting confidence. Hosting is scary. It's an acquired. It is an acquired thing, and taste. I did not have it at this point. I was I, like, I forget that I've done it for ten years. Yeah, I didn't get any. I didn't get any confidence until I hosted my own show, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, yeah, it's my yeah. show, baby. Who cares? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Uh, but yeah, so I, 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 they hand me this like double sided piece of paper that was like, all right, this is all the things you're like you contractually have to say oh, while shit. you're hosting. And I was like, Jesus! And one of the things you have to do at this club in Alabama is you have to thank the troops. What? You have to be like, uh, yeah, th- th- let's th- let's give it a round of applause for the troops. And I was like, and my, and you know, I'm not gonna get, like my little socialist ass is like, are you fucking kidding me? And they're like, you gotta <laughs> thank the troops. And I was like, the troops. and Dan, poor Apropos Dan, who's that, I know. At a comedy club. Dan, who's the headliner, who's got, who's the only one who has something to lose is like, just go out there and think the fucking trips. And I was like, okay. So then I hit the lights go up and I'm like, I hear like some music started and I'm like, oh fuck, it's starting. And I run on stage. And as soon as I get on stage, I realize that the show was not at all starting. They were just playing their opening video. Oh. And their opening video was like just a like slideshow of all the greatest comedians in history doing their greatest jokes as like a warm up to the show. And I was like, They're playing other bits? Yeah, they're playing Dave Chappelle, they're playing like Seinfeld, they're playing like Carlin. I was like, what? It was crazy, and it's like that was the like the intro for the club. But I, but I'm standing on the stage in front of this like projected video, clearly <laughs> in the dark, clearly not supposed to be standing there. But in my head, I was like, no, 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 no. If I leave, they'll know it was a mistake. So I like stand my ground, and I'm like, uh, I'm just sort of like, give me, an, give me an estimate here, like a minute. 
like how, how long is two it? and a half minutes? Ugh, and I and I'm hoping that the 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 guy in the tech booth will just cut it it's and an do it for me. Eternity for a thing He's, like that. Oh my god! So like, and then I start dancing. I just start like doing a little, and I don't know. You can't see me on this podcast, but I clearly can't dance. I'm doing like mm. little white girl shoulder movements. I'm okay, like, yeah, just like yeah. a. I don't know how to describe that. Absolute meltdown. Everyone in the audience is looking at me like, who is this mentally ill woman Why on the stage? Is Why is she up? Because they had, I, again, no one, the lights aren't even up. They're yep. just like a crazy woman is dancing in front of like During fucking the Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And then I run off stage because I was like, okay, I got to get off. I run off. Everyone in the, the dressing room was like, what the fuck is your problem? What is happening? And I'm like laughing. It's the only thing I could do. Sure. And then I hear the like the, the music change. So I'm like, now this is me. And I go back on, not me still. <laughs> so then I'm just on stage and I start clapping. It's just more music? It's No, it's like more video. <laughs> yeah. I have a video of it that I will show you and you can, I'll give it to you for the pod. Oh my God. But, and, and it's like, so yeah. I, and I just then start clapping. I'm just clapping. And then finally, finally, the guy in the booth is like, ladies and gentlemen, your host, Maggie Crane. And by this point, the people are like, this is... What is fucking happening? And the light just come up to silence, absolute silence. And I just go, uh, is uh, is anyone here a troop? <laughs> it was fucking awful. And then and then I just bomb for like is ten. Anyone here, a troop? anyone here a troop? And people are like, yeah. And I was like, and then I bomb for like ten minutes. And everyone else Ugh. on that show did very well. But every time I got back there on stage, the yeah. whole room was just like, we. Hate you. Oh, oh, that's right. You're involved. It's like this psychotic <laughs> woman who we watched have a mental breakdown. Wow. So that was like, so now, so going back to bombing, it's like whenever I'm in a space where I'm like, oh, I don't think this show's going to go well. And I'm like, it cannot be worse. That's bad. It cannot be worse. That is just like, especially like, because that's, that's such a great worst story. Because like... You know, if it if you if you have an antagonistic crowd mm-hmm. or like bad circumstances for comedy to like at a music show or like yeah. an outdoor thing, you're like there's kind of like this built in like well that's how it goes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when there's some sort of either like mechanical or procedural, yeah, sort of you know like I hate when people like it's like it really sounds like they're about to bring me up and I come out a little bit and yeah. Like, well, but also he runs this and great like, show and I'm like oh we had it. Yeah, Girl. we had like just be cool. No, that was that. Or like was... we've done various different mic protocols depending on what the pandemic's doing, and that's so hard to remember because there's something about like just getting up to like here I am telling jokes. Yeah, that is nightmare inducing. If any sort of hitch happens, yeah. Oh my god. Totally. Oh my god. No, it's it's bad. I I just did a oh my god. I I teach stand up classes in at BCC, and I just taught a class show. And like the whole class, like I couldn't like the microphones in our classroom weren't working, which is like fine when you're in a class setting. That's I just my was like, go-to anxiety nightmare. Yeah, it's, dude. Mike's cutting out. Yeah, it was well. <laughs> mics weren't working. We were in a small room, and it's like when you're in a class, a stand-up class. It's not about the mic. It's about just you know, doing your material. Yeah, yeah. So it was fine, but I never got to work, and it was sort of embarrassing. I was like, Ugh. and then I met doing the class show, and like during in the middle of one of the student sets. The mic just cuts out. Ugh, she powered through. She did it. It was amazing. But then I have to get up, and they were like, we have to go upstairs and get the tech from the other show. We'll be right back. Stall. So then I'm up there, the teacher of this class. I did like, I ended up having to do 15 minutes of no mic. I just look like I'm doing a fucking TED Talk. Just being like, well, our, these are all my students, but let's make it all about me. I'm, I'm a, How big of a crowd is there for this? It was pretty big. 
because it's like class shows. It's yeah. like everyone's friends come. Kind of like a recital, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, well, sorry about this. Can you, and we don't have to get too into it, but I'm very fascinated by how one goes about structuring a stand-up comedy class. It's fun. I, I, I've taught two, two sessions, so I'm still pretty new to it. Okay. But um, I have a very, so I, I run it like, I, my philosophy for, I teach level one. Sure. And my philosophy about, about that, it's like, you know, as comedians, it's like, obviously, not everyone's doing personal shit. Some people are doing more, like, character-based stuff or more, like, esoteric, like, I'm a random. I don't know. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, But I, like, when people are starting out, I'm really, like, I really think, like, the only thing any of us are experts on is our ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what you should, like, take from. So I make people do a lot of like free writings. I have a lot of prompts that are like based in their life. I make people, and I mean, th like I do, I make the first jokes I make people write or I look like jokes. Sure, you know, they're like, get that out of the way. Get it out of the way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people laugh, you're hack. Oh, every comic has an I look like joke. It's like, yeah, and if you have a good one, it's gonna crush. Do you have an I, I look like joke? I joke? do, I do. My I look like joke is, um, you can tell I'm from Massachusetts uh, because I look like every cop's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys could see me, yeah, you got to get a real Irish Catholic photo of me for this. I, you know, I think I used one from your website. I'll, I'll clear it with you. But uh, I think Brennan gave me this, where it's like I look like the portrait next to INTJ in the <laughs> DSM or something. Oh my, yeah. See, every comic has one. And when I was brand new, I would, I would address how I have a, a slight lisp when I talk. There you go. Which is kind of a different version of the same thing <laughs> you got it you got it yeah, yeah. You, and you got to be upfront about yourself so like i very much teach from like you're mining from your own life you're like trying to figure out who you are on stage mm -hmm. and that's my like big for level one i don't go too much into like philosophy or like you know yeah yeah i, I very much just like give people writing prompts i make that and i give them notes after every time they do it sure well, I, I was because like ideally i feel like it's like because I've thought about it, right? Mm -hmm. I have this relationship with Fallout, yeah. and like nobody's ever really done one here in Austin that anyone respects. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's very easy to come across. It's as taking advantage of people. Sure. But I, I actually, after te I used to think that, and now after teaching it, I'm like, I'm just watching a lot of like, it's either like people who like really just want to rip the bandaid off to do yeah. stand up, or it's people who don't want to pursue stand up, and they're just like normal ass people yeah. who are like. Oh yeah, I want to take a class on stand up and make friends, and then you're like, "Well, that's really sweet." That's nice. Yeah. Well, even just like taking a class is like in a sort of like organized, responsible thing that's beyond a lot of yeah. people when you start stand up. But uh, but yeah, it seems like it would just be a lot of like individually working with people once you get the basic sort of like, here's how I go about it out of yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, you you like work with people. You I, I give people like homework prompts sure. I give them and then like it's the, this class it's like all about working up to a five minute set so we like curate everyone's five minutes love it yeah and that's what's important to me because it's like yeah you you can maybe feel like you're getting scammed at a comedy class but if I can make sure people like leave my class with a structured five minute set that's valuable then that's very valuable yeah. and it you know it's hard to get that fascinating mm -hmm. Brooklyn Comedy Collective yeah, it's it's good. It's been fun. I like it. I, and I, I yeah, I'm a, a very recent convert to like, oh, comedy classes are good. <laughs> it took me teaching one, <laughs> which is, you know, wild. But I think, you know, like the Improv 101 was valuable to me. Yeah, and, it's like, uh, 
do I think it's like there? And also, it's like anything in comedy. There's no way to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no like. Here's what you do. You gotta do. It's not like the '80s where it's like you hang out at the club. You know yeah. what I mean? You, there's just like so many roots to it. It's however someone can either rip their own bandaid off or how you like want to spend your time. Yeah. Yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Who gives a shit how somebody starts comedy? <laughs> As long as they do it. Long as they, as long as they do it, mm-hmm. you know. If you want to do it, do it. If you, you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. Too many people do it. Way too many people do it. We don't need you to do it too. I know. Sometimes <laughs> I have that moment when I'm teaching. I'm like, why am I bringing more people into this? Mm. I'm, very, I'm complicit. That's you know what my fear would be for me, and I don't. I don't want to put you on the spot about it because you know. Stand-up is such a personal thing, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stand-ups that I meet that I'm like, I don't think the world needs to hear yep. what you have to say. Yep. Yes. Uh, but you can't just tell them that no. to their face, yeah. right? But I, I would, if I were a professor, I would worry. I'd literally be going down the line, and you could just see on my face like, oh, yeah, that was, mm-hmm. and maybe you could do it this way, like four people in a row, and then just get to some fucking dude and be like, you should quit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, dude. <laughs> Yeah, maybe try this. I guess I have to yeah, help you. It's hard. <laughs> I mean, I've become comfortable with being like, hey, don't say that. I, yeah, or just being like, hey. And I, I do it sort of very gently. I do it like, hey, just so you know, like you have to, if you're going to say something uncomfortable, you have to make your audience feel okay. Yeah. yeah if you're yeah. going to say something edgy, you have to make sure it's really good. So maybe if, if you're not really good, really don't try to say something edgy. Kind of not like day one stuff when you yeah. think about it because it's just the laziest writing. And so the... many people want to go immediately to like dirty sure. or edgy. And you're like, well, just talk about what you think is fun. That was, and this this was something that a while back, I I, I wanted even my improv one-on-one class to address a little more specifically mm-hmm. of just like, you know, you might have an instinct, especially in the moment in improv, that's just like make a crass sex thing. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Blah blah blah, and like just fucking push past it, man. Yes, because that's not really that good. It's not that good. It's like we're all we're all still just like fucking like eight year old kids who are like, if I say penis, everyone will love that shit. <laughs> sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it's funny, and yes. sometimes it's if you know, look. Half of knowing how to do comedy is knowing when you can say penis it's, and when you shouldn't. I'm trying to think of a time someone said penis and it wasn't funny. <laughs> you know what okay, I mean? Maybe you're wrong, example, but yeah, penis unless, is unless you're funny. a doctor, it's just not coming up in a lot of neutral contexts. But yeah, well, and that because like because that's the eternal thing with people starting out, where it's like I'm not I'm not here to tell you you can never say any of that. Or yeah. talk about any of these subjects. Yeah, no. Because even the crass and like the worst offensive stuff is can be really funny. But right, and it's like it's like you know it's like my thing that I te- that I say in classes is like as long as you're always punching up. Yeah. Like as long as it's like like think about like who you're making fun of, and as long as you're punching up. Yeah. Because you're punching down, you're just, it like. Obviously, it's not funny, but also it's like you're just gonna lose everyone. Yeah, that's like you give them the, the like technical aspect of it all. You're like, oh yeah, if you if you start shitting on this shit that people are are not gonna agree with, then you're not gonna get laughs, right? Especially if you don't also like address like I understand 
what I'm saying is not popular in yeah. this room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Because there's, there's, I've been having a lot of fun recently where I'll come, like, I'll be going after some, like, more recent stuff mm-hmm. that could be a little lightning rod, but I'm I'm not the guy that's here to really get into it. Yeah, yeah, But it's yeah, fun yeah. to, like, sound, okay. it's fun to sound like I might get into it. Yeah. And just be like, just play with that. Like, I have a bit about anti-vaxxers, mm-hmm. uh, that, because I just, on principle, it's annoying that they're not doing stuff you yeah. know, like you don't you don't think this stuff i don't want to do yeah we yeah, all yeah. got to do stuff yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. just like i think i take it to daylight savings where i'm just like mm-hmm. what if i just stop doing that That's like at, all winter I'm, I'm an hour early like three o'clock for me let's go yeah 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 but it, at the beginning it's it's fun to just because it'll get like a and people like i'm like guys yeah. you know yeah it's not just that they're not doing the thing to end the thing yeah. It's more of a higher thought than that, right? Because it would be easy to sh- shit on dumb people or whatever. My opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. No, but that's a good example of like, no, it's hard. And I feel like when I first started, I would do more like, let me get into like sex or politics. Yeah. And now I do that less because I feel like I I know my voice more and it's like, you understand someone's beliefs like if they have if they like know their voice on stage. Yeah. You like if someone like knows who they are on stage, you don't have to be like, and now let me tell you my opinion on yeah. And it's like I, I sort of as I get like as I've been doing it longer, I sort of have gotten away from being like shock value. Yeah. And I'm more just like maybe silly. <laughs> which I enjoy more. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like and there's no preclusion. It's it took a long time for me to even like wanna talk about Something that was in the news. Yeah. Oh my god. I I am. You know. I feel like the that that there was a big shift it, like in the Trump administration. Yeah. I feel like in the, I I feel like pre-Trump it was a little bit like oh yeah let's get into politics a little more and then the Trump shit happened Everyone's and everyone like, was so hack immediately. So tired. Of it. Yeah. So tired and everyone who's not a comedian is like I'm my whole family is like do you talk about Trump in your act and <laughs> you I'm talk like about Trump. I'm like what the fuck do I have to say about Trump in my act. He's, in my skit. He's bad. Yeah, he's bad. I don't like him. And I feel like that, <laughs> because that's like when I started. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't. Also for me, I'm like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. Like, well, if, if I if I think of something that I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's good, that's different. But I'm like, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to have um a, a really hot take about like these like pop culture, these like trending topics. Yeah. I'm a piece, I'm an asshole. It's like, obviously you make, your opinions known, you make your politics known, but it's like you know, I'm not like going out of my way to be like, well, let me take, let me take the president down a uh, peg. Yeah, it's weird to tell. We're here to find yeah, the truth. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the other day, I walked on the stage for like a three minute open mic, and I was in a weird mood, so I was just like, folks, let's find a reason to live. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. But uh, but yeah, just just because I'm not the guy. Not on stage that even has the effort to get into politics. No. I do people. a little bit. I like yell about late capitalism sure, and leftism because that's you know it's I'll like, tweet about it. Absolutely. I do I do a bit, but I don't I don't try to be like a, a gotcha comedian. <laughs> you know, I don't try to go around being like, Whoa, riddle me this. That's a real pet peeve of mine. Because <laughs> yeah. like some people will do they'll even do that basic like rhetorical like, Oh, you guys uh NFL fans, and they get like a cheer and be like, "Well, you're pieces of shit." Exactly. And just say they're pieces. Just say the NFL sucks. We exactly. know that too. Exactly. Don't. Uh, yeah. Don't. 
surprise people. Yeah, don't let like the person who came to your show out of the good as their heart be like, yeah. Because <laughs> what if people are just being nice anyway? Man, have you noticed a shift in New York of, um, speaking of social media, mm. hey, because that used to be kind of one of the themes of this podcast is like, yeah. since your tweets. Since your tweets. I mean, like, you haven't tweeted in some years, it would appear. Mm-hmm. Not a big platform for you. I, I do. I, I do tweet. I, like, have had, like, an odd no. I have a large, I, I go viral a good amount, but I don't tweet that often. Sure. Um, I hate it. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> it's like I'm addicted to it also, and I'm like on Twitter all day, and huh? I get very like I'm like oh I don't I hate this. And then every time I, I tweet, either it's like oh there's no engagement here. This is so embarrassing. Or you get a viral tweet that. Or you get a viral. I got a viral tweet that was like very ruins your phone for it. Ruins your phone because yeah. <laughs> you you can't look at anything else. I assume I've never had a viral tweet. I had a viral tweet that was like in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protests, and mm. I was just like, "Oh my god, my oh, no. voice is not a voice at all. Yeah. That should be going viral right now." And it was like such a glib, stupid. It was like, "Well, that's what goes viral." It's like the stuff that goes viral is like the dumbest shit you've ever tweeted. That you're just like, "How the fuck is this happening?" I had a tweet that was like, "Um, it was like during all the protests, and it's like." If you, oh, what was it? It was so fucking stupid. It was like, if you were a hot girl for Bernie and you're not a hot girl for defending the, defunding the police, police yeah. then you're not hot in the first place. And it went like viral and it's like both people being like, slay, bitch. And both other people being like, shut the fuck people up. People reading and I'm like, it in bad faith, let me guess. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, I should. And then stuff like that. And you're like, and you're like, should I delete? But then you're like, no, my numbers are so good right now. I shouldn't delete it. <laughs> and then you're also just like, oh, man. It's it's astounding to me when a tweet goes viral of any sort mm-hmm. that it's immediately drowned in bad faith interpretations that don't even admit comedy exists. It's amazing. I had a tweet, my last viral tweet, I think it's my, um, I, which is actually kind of fitting for, for Austin. It's like that picture from Dazed and Confused of him going, I, I stay, what is it, the thing about high school oh, girls? I, I, I saw that on your profile. Yeah. yeah it was the picture of Wooderson. Yeah, and Matthew McConaughey from Days of Yes, and he says, "I think about high school girls as I keep getting older, they stay the same age. age." And my my little my tweet was like, "That photo." Yeah, let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. And it's like that photo, and it's I say rent keeps getting higher, and I get the same wage. I get the same wage. And it got very. It went very viral because it's like you know everyone loves a meme well, McConaughey. Let me guess. People took issue with this. Oh, people took issue <laughs> with it. People were like, "Wow, normalizing like predatory pedophile behavior." Because oh, he's a creep. Yeah, because oh, he's sure. a creep, and yeah. they, were, they were like. Oh like wow! Like you're not aware that he's the butt of the earth. And I'm and like a lot of people were like retweeting it, being like, "Oh yeah, or we're, oh ne- today we're normalizing pedophilia." And I'm like, "Yeah, I I woke up this morning to normalize pedophilia." That's like, uh, I I remember the other week, like Katie Delaney, mm-hmm. uh, writer in L.A. Just it was a funny. It was like you know when the waiter is like. Oh, and for specials, I have a salmon and a this. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I have. Like, I didn't know you were the CEO of food. And people were like defending waiters and how hard their job is. They're like, he's not even, like, waiters like yeah. the joke. Like, there's no, no one's mean no there. No one's mean. I had a tweet. It's uh, a wh- funny verbal convention. I know. My first viral tweet was like, how I like I went I was like t- trying to flirt with a barista and he was like oh that your next coffee's free on your punch card so make sure you really get us to like do like fuck it up with like get an expensive coffee or whatever he was trying to say to me and I was like yeah spitting it 
And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, my God. And it went viral, and people, like, started immediately being, like, sexually harassing baristas. And I was like, what? I'm not, like. Then you get the perbs, too. They're like, so spit's your thing, huh? And then the yeah. barista saw it, and he, like, retweeted it, and he was like, no, this was fine. Like, but I was like, yeah, of course it was because it really happened. I did really be like. Sure. And he was like, oh, get away from me. But, no, it was like, and then that was my first ever viral tweet, and it went, it was, like, so exciting. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting people like coming for me about being rude to like customer service people and i'm like i was a waitress for 10 fucking years <laughs> like you cannot like jesus christ i find i mean like i need daily to remind myself like the majority of the internet is like bathroom graffiti mm-hmm. and it's just like if like so to imagine yourself in a stall like getting worked up about yeah like call this for a good time and being like, and like writing your response yeah and to like it. responding and to like, people every time you take a shit just like, like yeah, yeah like no it's so it's waiting really into crazy. The, the replies of anything or comments and all that it's, it's wild and i you know you know you know a lot of comedians either from like real life or just knowing from the internet who you see just constantly like replying or like just doing the whole thing and i'm like how doing? the fuck do you have the bandwidth mute it I do not have the bandwidth. And like online friendships, I'm like ha hardly have any because you're just sort of like, what am I going to do? Like reply a fake Twitter saying to your fucking I love tweet. The only, I've only had to mute one thing and it was the best feeling in the world to just be like, get out of here, gang. I, I, I did a little self-conscious experiment when I was, it was mid 2020. I was just like mad about stuff. Yeah, I think like during the height of the protests and just all the chaos in the world, I get the most geared up about things that are like within my vague sphere of influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just did some tweet where I was like, man, I, I hate the fucking Legion of Skanks and like Kumia. <laughs> and like, You're like, I'm like coming whatever. for you. I just thought it was like, I hope you die alone, edgy and unfulfilled or whatever. Like, yeah. Because you're just, what are you so mad about or whatever? And I was like, I, I didn't use little asterisks or anything. I was like, I bet they'll find it. Mm -hmm. And then I will get some negative attention from yeah. other little oh my people. God, from all their little fans. It was like 200 replies. Oh my God. And people like, they went to like find my album and stuff. And like, I'm like, thanks for the engagement folks. I'm muting yeah. this thread immediately. Forever. I had, I had a tweet that. And I, I, yeah. I will admit that I, I enjoyed the privilege of just being some dude that they harassed for like a day and then forgot about. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. They're like, they yeah. need a guy every few days. That's well, you know, and if I poked them all the time, it would be worse or whatever. But if I were a woman, I doubt I would want to. No, you get a lot of knock down a bee's nest on no, purpose. No, no, you get a lot yeah. of uh, <laughs> a lot of horrifying messages. Yeah, I had, I had a tweet once where I was like, uh, again, it's like the, the dumbest shit you tweet. Yeah, it was like so glib, unintelligent, <laughs> me being like hair flip. So it was like after I forget exactly what it was a response to. It was after the the shockingly the Democratic Party fucked something up. Oh my god! I know, never. And they, I'm a guest. I know. Yeah. So they something I don't remember exactly what it was at this point. Um, and I tweet like you know stupid to my like minuscule following. I'm like, okay, I'll bite. Doing a Twitter thing already. <laughs> okay, I'll bite. What do Democrats do? And it went really viral, which was mostly people being like, yeah, fuck the Democrats. But then I started getting all these like libs like big ass like oh, no. hillary clinton profile picture ass libs 
in my replies. And then I got people started to dox me. Ooh. People would like were going back in my tweets from like years ago, and someone like brought up another tweet of mine that was like, "Oh hey, I gotta fit into a bridesmaid's dress. Does anyone want to break my heart real quick?" And like, a stupid tweet about like oh, needing to lose weight from heartbreak. And I That's someone like retweeted being like, "Oh, of course, a leftist is is fat phobic." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And they got people really came for me. I my favorite one was like to fit this in a dress. I know this one guy was like, oh, these the, like these young people. And I was like, oh, my God, he thinks I'm young. <laughs> oh, my God, thank you. But, yeah, Twitter's awful. A scourge. So quit it and never go back, folks. I've pretty much done that. I'm like. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mostly like Instagram, I feel like, is. I'm, my Instagram's fine. I, I'm not someone who can curate for, for, for like, shit. I think Instagram is like a lot of people are just kind of defaulting to that lately. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of got the best, I think it's like, if somebody's not your friend, they will get filtered into that message request mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, So there's yeah. maybe just like less insanity to deal with. Or yeah, something. it's less just like constant yeah. info and more just constant like, look how great my life is. Validation. Which can also be hard <laughs> to look at. Yeah, I try to limit my time. Yeah, it's it's but. brutal. I, I got to limit it all, but I get so like. Yeah. What am I gonna do? Look at look at the world around me? Well, yeah. No like, fucking. Respond way. to my family and friends in a timely fashion. No, read a book. <laughs> Come on. Can never. Go outside. No. <laughs> Playing all the hits. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, we should uh, we should plug stuff and yes, get out there. Uh, where where can people find you on the internet? I believe you have a, a official. Uh, yes, I have. I got. I'm on Twitter, even though I just shit talked it for a long time. It's yeah. um. At Margaret K. Crane, because my real name is Margaret, and I made it before I did comedy. Like a Salinger character. I know. Yeah. And, and then Instagram, I'm at Maggie Crane. There you go. And if, you, if anyone is in New York on um, June 2nd, I'm doing my, my solo show ah. at Caveat in New York City. It's called Side by Side. It's to go back to the beginning of this pod. It's like a one-woman show, which I feel like is such an embarrassing thing to do these days, but I'm doing it! Um, it's a one woman show. It's like it's got both my playwriting shit and my my stand up shit, and I'm very I'm I love doing it. It's best so of both worlds. Come yeah. through if you're in uh, if you're on the Lower East Side of Manhattan on June second <laughs> at nine thirty. Well, thank you for doing the show. I thank really you for having me. This was so great, and yeah. I'm about to do your uh, your stand up show. Right? Yeah. Thank you for having me on that too. Come to that every Friday if you live in Austin, Texas, folks, at the Fallout Theater. Uh, you can reach the show at sincere at gmail.com. I'm A Duncan Carson everywhere, and I will see you next time. Thank you again, Maggie Thank Crane. Thank you.